When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Forza Napoli Calcio podcast. A podcast devoted to Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. We've got another excellent episode for you today. We actually have quite a bit of news to report both around the league and around Napoli. Then we'll do some transfer talk. And finally, I'll introduce a new segment today, uh, which is a player profile. And I'll tell you a little bit about Amir Rahmani. So let's get right into it, starting with the news. On Monday, we learned that as many as eight clubs were opposed to resuming play. Uh, But then on Tuesday, we got reports that all 20 clubs were aligned on completing the season. And apparently Lazio president Claudio Lotito was instrumental in getting alignment. The Italian government has been very careful to not make any commitments, and understandably so. Minister of Sport Vincenzo Sparafora uh, commented that resumption of training, which will be reviewed, does not mean resumption of the league, and there are people who make far less money that need to return to work first. On that note, today the Italian government announced that on May 4th, manufacturing, construction, public services, and some commercial activities will resume, and then in Phase 2, about 2.7 million Italians will return to work, but only if they have the necessary personal protective equipment. I think that's still good news for Serie A, though. Um, we can pretty much say definitively that no matches will be played in front of fans. They'll all be played behind closed doors. And on that, Spotify commented on the question of whether televised games would be uh, free to watch or not. Uh, but they didn't really have an answer to that yet. It's In his uh, words, it's a difficult question to answer. Today, which is Wednesday... Uh, Spadafora had a call with FIGC to discuss the protocols for resuming play uh, that FIGC had proposed. 
and Sparafora listened to what they had to say and he'll take that back now to the Minister of Health, Roberto Speranza, and in the next few days they'll provide an update on the possibility of resuming training. I, I did want to comment on what's happening in some of the other leagues uh, around the world. Last time we spoke about how the Mexican League has suspended, suspended promotions and relegations uh, for five years. Um, in Europe, if we start with the other uh, four leagues in the, the Big Five, in April, all 20 of the EPL clubs agreed to suspend play indefinitely, um, which remains the current situation. It seems the intent there is to resume at some point, uh, but only when it's safe to do so and they haven't provided a date. Yesterday, Spain's National Sports Council, the Royal Spanish Football Federation, and La Liga issued a statement declaring that training will resume under strict protocols, uh, but the statement also did not say when. The German Bundesliga seems most likely to resume before anyone else, and they're possibly going to resume as early as May 9th. And Liga plans to resume on June 17th and to complete their campaigns by July 25th. Elsewhere, the Dutch Eredivisie has been suspended until September, and there's some speculation that this effectively is the end of the season. Uh, a little while ago, we found out that the Belgian League had ended and awarded Club Bruges the title, but that was a little bit different. They only had one game left in their season, and Bruges had a, a substantial margin. Uh, the Eredivisie has only played 25 out of 34 matches. We also heard from the Swiss Football Association, who said that the only way to save the league is to finish the season. Finally, on Tuesday, uh, FIFA weighed in on transfer markets. Uh, in an interview with GR Parliament, uh, CONCACAF President Victor Montaliani, who's also the vice president of FIFA, confirmed that FIFA will not add a third transfer window. They're going to stick with the existing 16-week window, whenever that might be. And they've also given clubs the green light to extend contracts beyond the end of June. So now it's up to the clubs to work out deals with the players. So we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. So moving on to Napoli news, uh, let's start with Arkadouz Milik. Now I know I said I'd provide an update every two weeks or when there's a major development, but there's been so much in the news over the last week or so that I'd be remiss not to give you an update. So first, if you listen to the excellent Calcioland podcast with David Amoyal and Alex Goldberg, on today's episode they reported that Milik will almost certainly be sold in the summer. Now, Amoyal is pretty well connected in uh, the transfer market, so I think there's probably some sus substance there. Uh, AgroPro News also reports the odds of Malik leaving are around 2.5 to 1. And we saw reports emerge that Juventus were interested, and uh, Carlo Alvino, who's very reliable, told uh, Radio Kiss Kiss Napoli that Malik has already uh, worked out a deal with Juventus. Now, the way that Napoli operates, they would want to sign a deal with Juventus before Milik does. So if Alvino is right, that would cause some tension between the club and the player. And I think that's why Milik's agent, David Pantak, made the following statement. He said, In the last few days, news has been circulating about Attic, and for the moment I can say they are rumors, somewhat disrespectful towards Napoli. Indeed, the goal is to think about the renewal of the player, and only because of the pandemic, everything stopped. Once we return to normal, we will look for an, an agreement, otherwise we will look elsewhere. Back to Juventus for a second, reports surfaced that Juve would potentially be willing to swap Bernardeschi, Rugani, and Christian Romero, who's returning from a loan spell with Genoa. Now that makes no sense to me. First of all, Alvino reported that Napoli are looking for cash for Milik, not players. 
but even if they were interested in a swap, I don't see how these three players would fit in the squad. Napoli has plenty of options at center back, which we'll talk a little bit more about in part three. So the only way I can see this happening is if Napoli were to sell both Koulibaly and Maximovic. I suppose Bernardeschi can be someone of interest to replace Jose Callejon on the right wing, but I think a player that Napoli would rather have on the wing is Jeremy Boga, who's presently playing for Sassuolo, and that could very well happen because another rumor out there is that Milik could be sent to Chelsea. Chelsea actually have a redemption clause for Boga, which I believe is around 15 million euros. Also, Chelsea need a striker, especially if they were to sell Olivier Giroud. Meanwhile, Napoli would get a player back that they're already interested in, and they would get some cash, and supposedly De Laurentiis has set the price tag for Milik at 50 million euros, so that would still be a pretty handsome profit. In other news, the Court of Arbitration of Sport has settled a dispute between Koulibaly's former agent Bruno Satin and the club. Satin brought Koulibaly from Genk and also represented him when he renewed his contract for the first time in 2016. In 2018, uh, Koulibaly renewed again, but he used Fali Ramadani. At that time, Satin claimed that he was owed commissions from 2016. Napoli rejected this claim, saying that once the new agreement was signed, any previous obligations would have been rendered null and void. And the court ruled in favor of Napoli. Now, the arbitrator did order um, 32,000 euros to be paid to Satin, uh, but they also ordered him to pay 75% of their operating costs, which is 30,000 euros and to pay Napoli 5,000 euros uh, to cover legal costs. So after all of that, Satin ended up losing 3,000 euros. We'll end the news on a more positive note. Last time we spoke about Cannavaro and his social media presence. In 2005, the Cannavaro brothers and Ciro Ferrara set up the Cannavaro Ferrara Foundation, uh, which they are currently using to help raise funds to fight COVID-19. So a number of past and present players have donated uh, memorabilia to be auctioned and the proceeds of those uh, auctions will then be used to help those in need in Napoli. And one of the items that they're auctioning is one of Ferrara's most prized possessions, which is a Maradona jersey from Ferrara's debut match with the national team in 1987. And after that went up, uh, Maradona himself would send a nice message to Ferrara. He'd say, Dear Ciro, I remember your debut in the Italian national team. It was against me, against my Argentine national team in 1987. It makes me happy to know that the shirt that we exchanged 33 years ago can help people in this difficult time. And the last time I checked, the jersey was bid up to about 24,000 euros. And one of the bidders was actually Atalanta's Papu Gomez, but he seems to have dropped out after a bid of 17,000 euros. So that's it for the news. Next, we'll do some transfer talk. Okay, so today's transfer talk is going to focus on Spanish midfielder Fabian Ruiz. So since last summer, we've been hearing rumors of a possible move of Fabian back to Spain after playing only one of the five seasons he's contracted to play for Napoli. And the figures we've been hearing in the media are really incredible when you consider that only three years ago he was playing in the Spanish Segunda Division. 
Fabian had only played one full season in La Liga for Real Betis before Napoli matched his 30 million euro buyout clause, which is not a huge sample size for a then 21-year-old playing for a mid-table club. Mind you, he did win the U21 European Championship and was named the Golden Player of the Tournament, so that provided a bit more of a sample of his quality. And though this edition is about Fabian, I do want to take a moment to talk about Napoli Sporting Director Cristiano Giuntoli, who I think does not get enough credit. Uh, for me, Fabian, I think, is one of Giuntoli's most impressive signings since he was hired to be Napoli Sporting Director in 2015. I'd probably put Piotr Zelinski in that same category, and then I'd have Alan and Mario Rui, uh, regardless of what you think of either of them, not too far behind. And Juntoli is very good at his job, which is to find players who fit very well in the system the manager employs. But not only does he find the right pieces, he tends to identify players who are on the verge of breaking out, which means they can be purchased relatively inexpensively and then sold later on for significant gains. And I suspect in a year or two, Diego Deme will be amongst the names I just mentioned. But back to Fabian. His agent, Alvaro Torres, recently confirmed that several big European clubs have knocked on his door. And the clubs he was linked to in January included Liverpool, Manchester United, Manchester City, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. Now, City and United seem to have dropped off a little bit. I think they still are interested, but maybe not quite as much. Liverpool at the time was looking to have Fabian as an alternative for Isco, who they were trying to buy from Real Madrid, and that was rejected. Now they appear to be seeking reinforcement given the injuries to Fabinho, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, and Naby Keita that they sustained this season. But it seems if Fabian were to leave Napoli, which is ultimately out of his control, his preference would be to return home to Spain. And both Spanish giants Real Madrid and Barcelona have been linked to the midfielder. A move to Barcelona would reunite Fabian with his former Real Betis manager, Kike Setien, uh, which seems to be the main reason for that speculation. Barcelona are also looking to find a replacement for Ivan Rakitic in the midfield. But Real Madrid, at least according to the media, seem to be the most interested. And the Italian papers are now suggesting that Real Madrid would even be willing to include Luka Jovic in a swap deal for Fabian. But as we previously mentioned, it appears Real Madrid are going to give Jovic another year to prove himself, so I don't give a whole lot of credence to that rumor. What I think, and I suspect you feel the same way, is that Fabian is not going anywhere, at least not this summer. In November, when he was asked about selling uh, Fabian, De Laurentiis said, I paid 30 million euros for Fabian and he's a fantastic player. If some of the European top clubs were to offer 180 million euros, we can start talking about selling him. So even if you buy into the speculation that Fabian's value has been discounted by 20%, say from 80 million euros to 60, which I don't believe, by the way, because the word discount is not in De Laurentiis' vocabulary, that is still nowhere near the number that De Laurentiis would consider. So in effect, De Laurentiis was saying that Fabian is not for sale. Furthermore, we know that Fabian is an important part of Gattuso's midfield, and once we saw him played in a more natural position, we quickly saw his form return to what we have come to expect it to be, most notably with his game winner against Inter in the Coppa Italia. And in fact, Gattuso has already stated that Fabian and Zelinski are the pillars of his team, and therefore they were untouchable. Finally, there haven't been many rumors about who would replace Fabian in the event he were to be sold, 
which to me again suggests that Napoli are not looking to replace him in the first place. So this assessment was a bit easier than the previous two. Fabian will not be sold, at least not this summer. At the very earliest, Napoli would look to sell him next summer when he has two years remaining on his contract. That'll do for part two. In part three, we'll do our first player profile. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Amir Rahmani. Rahmani was born on February 24th, 1996 in Pristina, Kosovo to Kosovo Albanian parents. He began his football career at the age of nine with Kosovo Pristina, where he would play for six years. After a year with Rami Sidiku, he would move to Croatia to play for the KF Drenica Youth Club. Rahmani would work his way onto the first team and make his professional debut in the 2010-2011 season at the age of 17. There, he would play an important role in helping Drenica avoid relegation. After two seasons with Drenica, Rahmani would spend two years playing with, for Partizan Tirana in the Albanian Superliga. In his second season with Tirana, Rahmani would be named Talent of the Season, which is Albania's version of the most valuable player. Rahmani would continue his progression the following year, moving to RNK Split in the Croatian First Football League. Over his two seasons with Split, the defender would be named the to the Team of the Week on eight separate occasions. Rachmani's play was strong enough to earn him a spot on the Albanian U21 national team, where he would make nine appearances, followed by two appearances with the senior team. During his time there, he'd play alongside Lazio's Thomas Strakosha, Napoli's Elsid Kusai, and Werder Bremen's Milo Rashica. And if you're wondering why that name sounds familiar, Rashika is one of the many players rumored as a possible replacement for Arkadush Milik. In 2016, Kosovo became a member of FIFA, eight years after declaring independence from Serbia. Rahmani and Rashika were among six players cleared by FIFA to play in Kosovo's first competitive match, which was the 2018 World Cup qualification match against Finland. In his sixth match, Rahmani would score his first goal for Kosovo. Unfortunately, that was the only goal Kosovo would score in a 4-1 defeat to Turkey. Since his debut, Rahmani has made 27 appearances for Kosovo's national team and has worn the captain's armband in his last seven matches, all of which were European qualifiers. Back to domestic competition, on August 30, 2016, Rahmani would make his first big money transfer, 
moving to the then 18-time Croatian champions Dinamo Zagreb for a reported transfer fee of 1.6 million euros. After spending a season on loan to Lokomotiva, Rachmani would return to Zagreb where he would spend the next two seasons, all while continuing to increase his value. On July 1st, 2019, Rachmani would make his second big money move, this time to Hellas Verona and Serie A for a reported fee of 2.1 million euros. And as is becoming a new custom in Italy, he'd greet the press in Italian. Uh, ciao a tutti, sono Amir Rahmani, calciatore di Verona, uh, di Hellas Verona. Uh, sono felice di essere qui, grazie a tutti. And for those who don't speak Italian, Rahmani would elaborate in English. Of course, I'm happy uh, with the transfer, with the new club. Uh, uh, now we have started with uh, pre-season, Iritiro. So we are we are uh, we are working hard and uh, we are in good way. It's just the start, but we will show that uh, we can do more and every day we can progress. So of course I'm happy. Uh, I came from Dinamo Zagreb to Hellas Verona. It's a big step for me. I'm uh, I'm I'm now a player of Hellas Verona and a player of Serie A. Of course, it's a privilege for me. Though Standard Liege and Celtic were interested in the defender. Rachmani elected to play in Serie A, primarily because he felt this was the best option to continue his development. It didn't hurt that Rachmani could speak to even Juric and Croatian, which Rachmani had learned during his time with Dinamo Zagreb. In the same interview, Rachmani was asked what his two strongest qualities are, and his response was his ability to win duels and to score goals. And he wasn't kidding. You only need to watch a few YouTube videos to appreciate that, at 6 feet 4 inches tall, Rachmani is an imposing figure at both ends of the pitch. According to footballbh.net, Rachmani has won 73.16% of his aerial duels while playing with Hellas Verona this season. All five goals he has scored for his country have been with his head. But Rachmani's time at Verona would be short-lived. On January 20th, Napoli acquired the defender for 14.5 million euros, but agreed to loan him back to Verona for the balance of the season. So what can we expect from Rachmani? First, he's capable of playing in a three- or four-man back line. He played an entire season in a three-man back line at Zagreb, and this year he's played in Ivan Juric's 3-4-2-1 formation. However, he prefers to play with a four-man back line simply because of the extra man, and we know that Gattuso likes the four-man back line as well. Given his size, you would expect Rachmani to play in one of the two center-back positions. FootballBH.net's heat map shows that Rachmani covers quite a large area of the pitch and he tends to intercept the ball outside of the 18-yard box. If Koulibaly stays, this could actually be problematic because both Koulibaly and Rachmani have a tendency to press. That means Diego Deme, who is a very good defender, will be relied on more heavily on the defensive end. Now, Verona's 3-4-2-1 is very different than Napoli's 4-3-3, so I wouldn't expect Rachmani to press as high with Napoli as he does with Verona. But something I overlooked on last episode's transfer talk on Kaladu Koulibaly is that Napoli may have already found Koulibaly's replacement when they signed Rachmani. If Koulibaly stays, Napoli have a bit of a problem, albeit a very good problem. That is, they would have three starting center backs, with Manolas being the other, and only two positions to play. And that does not include Nikola Maksimovic on the bench, who would be a more than capable substitute to give the starters a rest against, say, weaker opponents or in the early stages of Coppa Italia and European competition. So that's actually an argument in favor of selling Koulibaly. 
you cash in, make Rachmani and Manolas the starting duo, which would be a nice pairing as Manolas is a bit more of a stay-at-home defender. Then you have Maximovic as a backup, and you spend 20 million euros to bring in a young defender that you can develop into a starter to succeed the other three. Finally, Rachmani is a workhorse. He's played the full 90 minutes in 25 of Hellas Verona's 26 matches and 79 minutes in the other match. So that's a little bit about Amir Rachmani. All things considered, this appears to be yet another very good signing for the Partenope. So that's going to do it for episode 3. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with your friends and give it a 5-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. As always, if you have any questions or if you'd like me to focus on anything in particular, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti 5 or you can find the podcast at Forza Napoli Pod. Also, if you're looking for some reading material, you can find my articles at worldfootballindex.com. I've just started working on a piece about Massimo Cellino, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.